0: We're live. I'm ready to talk about another movie. Really? Yeah, no. I'm just pretending because I'm really tired. <laughs> Why are you so tired? I just, I just keep not sleeping. I keep, and like sometimes it's because I stay up too late, and then it's my own fault. And then other times, I go to bed early intentionally. Like last night, I went to bed early, and and then I woke up like two hours before I need to get up, and just lied there, couldn't sleep. Really? Yeah, it never happens to me. I'm usually, and I don't want to brag, but I'm usually really good at sleeping.
1: Yeah, like you're a skilled sleeper?
0: Yeah, like it's one of my top three assets. Yeah. But I can't sleep these days for some reason. I don't know if it's just like I'm doing too much or I'm excited about like life and summer and getting out and doing stuff and i don't know or maybe i'm stressed about something you know like there's yeah. lots going on but yeah, i probably should figure that out instead of just complaining about not sleeping but i'm so
1: tired usually there are two reasons uh i'm not sleeping one is because i uh, inverted my sleep schedule and like 1 a.m feels like it feels like 10 p.m for me mm-hmm. And then the other is, like, I'm excited, like, super excited. Rarely, if I'm, like, stressed or depressed, I sleep instantly because it's, like, oh, a break from the stressor. Yeah. You know?
0: I don't feel stressed. You
1: don't look stressed. No, oh, I just feel tired. I mean, the other, like, historically, the other reason I can't sleep is because, like, it's December 24th and
0: I'm, like... We're the for Santa? Yeah. 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 Historically, come on. (laughs) I remember like that feeling so vividly of like trying to trick myself into sleeping. Yeah. And and then you wake up in the morning and you're tired because you spent all night thinking about what material things you're going to be excited about. Right.
1: So, my question to you is Is there a metaphorical Christmas time occurring in your life right now that's keeping you awake at night?
0: I think summer is Santa.
1: Uh, Santa is summer.
0: Summer is coming.
1: The only problem is you can't leave out milk and cookies during the summer. No, milk is a bad choice.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. How are you?
1: I'm. Uh, I'm okay. I'm kind of stressed out. So that means you're sleeping well. Uh, I coincidentally, I did sleep well last night. I went to bed real early to yeah. avoid my life.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um. Do you have an issue falling asleep when you go to sleep early? Uh, it depends. On whether Santa's coming the next day? Yeah.
1: Or usually the thing that keeps me awake when I'm in bed is the fact that I'm not going to get much sleep and I'm going to have a miserable day the next and day. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Two. And then you start to think about the next day to see what parts of it you can cut or something.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's like
0: It's like shy bladder,
1: but for your circadian rhythm. You know, because like you get shy bladder because you're like, if I don't piss right now, the able-bodied people outside my door are gonna wonder why the disabled guy fell into the toilet. If I don't piss right now, I'm oh, be super. Yeah,
0: I get what you're saying.
1: Yeah, super embarrassed and like really. Yeah. You know, it's just not a good thing. I, I I have a date, a new date outside, and and it, it's a woman, and she's great, and I'm taking forever to pee. <laughs> Well, that's a great reason to be. No, that's not a real reason. I'm just saying that that has happened. Like, it's hard for me to go to take a leak on a date.
0: Really? Yeah. Hmm. Like, you actually try to pee on your date?
1: (laughs) Yeah, just not going to laugh at all at that silliness. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off, Tony. (laughs) (laughs) No,
0: like during the date. On her during it? (laughs) <laughs> Alright, I'm done. Please, okay, please, and thank yeah. you. Do you think the Queen is ableist, the Queen of England? Because here's my premise: I think the Queen is ableist, and I think she's secretly disabled. And I hope she listens to this. Yeah, it, yeah, for sure. Me too. Have you heard about her whole refusing to use a wheelchair thing?
1: Uh, I have a hundred-year-old grandmother who refuses to use a wheelchair. Or is
0: she the Queen?
1: Well, she's the queen of my family and she's like a wonderful person. I don't want to paint her as this awful ableist person because she is fucking a
0: hundred. Okay, let's talk about the queen then. Okay. Because the queen is obviously 300 years old, right? Yeah. Like, what do you think a typical day of the queen's life looks like?
1: Uh, it's a lot of tea and a lot of uh, reading and probably word games on her iPad. You think she reads like murder mysteries? Probably. I think yeah. she probably watches a lot of BBC Poirot and Inspector Morris and uh I
0: would love to find out that she's into some weird stuff. Or just like like she sits in bed with her iPad in her royal blanket, in her royal onesie or whatever she wears, watching uh-huh. like Big Mouth.
1: Hold on, you haven't explained to me your conspiracy theory about how the Queen is disabled.
0: So she has openly or not she I don't think she specifically, but one of her like PR guys has said, because she's been starting to miss certain events, right?
1: Yeah, she missed the Jubilee, like the day where that was meant for her. She was supposed to be there.
0: Yeah, this is why it all came up because um, I have some colleagues in the UK and they had a four day weekend to celebrate the Queen's birthday. Uh huh. So we started talking about the Queen, obviously. I know next to nothing. But I did find out that she started to miss stuff. Obviously, she's 300 years old. And also, she refuses to use a wheelchair. Right. Because she doesn't want to be seen in a wheelchair. Because, you know, wheelchairs are not queenly.
1: Well, they are just mobile thrones. We, We use mobile phones. Why
0: not mobile thrones? Yes. But according to the Queen... It's either a king or you sit it out. Well, th- that's a
1: established pattern. An established pattern of heads of state, like needing wheelchairs, but when they're on camera or they make public appearances, they go out of the way to appear able-bodied. I'm pretty sure there was a U.S. president who was wheelchair-bound, or it might have even been a prime minister. I don't. I'm my world issues uh, course in high school. I totally checked out i was too busy reading fifth business or something i don't know
0: yeah i'm pretty sure like princess was it diana in like 2001 was in a wheelchair for a bit
1: princess di died in 1997 famously the queen in that movie with olivia colman she was
0: in a wheelchair remember we we watched it princess margaret was in a wheelchair okay yeah Are you going anywhere with this? How do we make wheelchairs? What do you mean am I going anywhere with this? The queen, who is like the head of this bullshit empire, is... Ableist. Ableist. Yeah. Where else is there to go? But instead of a wheelchair, she has somehow decided that it's appropriate to ride around in a golf cart. Okay. So she'd rather be seen in a golf cart than in a wheelchair. Like Trump. Yeah. Let's compare the Queen to Trump. I like this. What other comparisons can you, draw?
1: I know nothing, literally nothing about the Queen. I don't watch Downton Abbey. I I don't care. There's that stupid show on Netflix, The Crown. I just don't care. I don't really want to consume anything that celebrates the monarchy. It's a really silly concept
0: a golf cart that she drives or doesn't drive. Obviously, someone drives her. They call <laughs> it something like the mobility of nobility or something like that. No way. It's outrageous.
1: The nobility mobile.
0: The, the mobility and nobility device or the... I don't know, Something ridiculous. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, because they don't want to say wheelchair.
1: I bet you I bet you the queen has a indoor power chair.
0: I bet you she sits in the shower, sits on a wheelchair to poop. Uh, she is disabled. Right. We should have the queen on here. Uh, she's a closeted wheelie? Yeah, well, very closeted. Yeah. But I think we should try to have her on here before she dies. I don't think it's
1: appropriate to say that there's a wheelie in the closet because there aren't many accessible closets. That's true.
0: Yeah. I um, drove through a closet door. Recently? No, but it has happened.
1: <laughs> Is it your current closet door?
0: Yeah, I don't have closet doors anymore because I drove through them.
1: Like you got them revoked as a penalty for destroying your apartment?
0: Because I had to, I literally, like I was, there was a whole, I was horsing around, drove through these closet doors and...
1: You're going to have to give me more explanation than horsing around. Are you
0: 50? <laughs> I was just getting up to my usual... Hijinks? I'm trying to think of like the 50-year-oldest word. Tomfoolery. Tomfoolery is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Shenanigans. Shenan. That was the first one that came to mind, but I I actually kind of say
1: shenanigans a lot. That's the only word that kind of rhymes with banana. What?
0: <laughs> I don't think banana is one of those words that's hard to rhyme.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, that's orange. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think our listeners could tell we're both
0: severely overtired? I'm so tired. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm just pretending to be awake right now. <laughs> like I'm blacked out. See, <laughs> so, yeah, I'll tell you one time we were hanging out in the kitchen. And I have like a closet right next to the kitchen, and we were just like ring. Okay, and I drove up behind her and like gently like pushed on the back of her thighs so her knees bent a little bit. Uh, just to, Tony, like, Tony, just to like make sure she was awake, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> and she was, and she was actually ready for it, so she. Jumped onto my lap. Oh, but um, my joystick swung out to the side, uh huh. And my arm got lodged, pushing the joystick on an angle. So I was just doing circles in my kitchen at full speed.
1: Wait, Tony, just a minute. So you tried to scoop this woman into your lap from behind? No, it wasn't even that, it was just like uh, you know, when you like poke someone in the shoulder. Yeah, but there's no way to like playfully hit somebody with your foot, like g- come I at somebody. I my foot-
0: shoes, not my foot pedals. Oh, I see. I hope there were soft shoes. Yeah, it was. Fun. There was no injury. If anything, I was the one that took the injury.
1: So she reverse cannonballed into your lap instead as retaliation, and then you
0: guys spun around for a while. Well, no, like I started spinning because my hand got stuck, and she jumped. She immediately jumped off. I'm in the kitchen just spinning in circles.
1: Oh my god, did you puke?
0: No, but um I was laughing so hard in the chaos of the moment, I like couldn't explain that I was actually like in grave danger of running into a wall at full speed because I had no control over my chair. It was just fully really spinning. And she was laughing because I was laughing, and she thought I was just goofing around. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense, because I initially was. (laughs) Initially. (laughs) See
1: what happens when you try to
0: scoop women into your lap, Tony? (laughs) (laughs) That's not even really how it went down. It was just, I don't know. It was kind of like I was, I I don't really know what the intention was. It wasn't to get her onto my lap, because that's generally not an activity that should happen without logistical planning for this reason.
1: Imagine like handing a prospective partner like a wemyss like like a wemyss <laughs> like hazardous.
0: It's just a bunch of symbols, like
1: <laughs>
0: lap jumping with a cross yeah. through
1: it. Yeah, like we should we should make a cripple wemyss, and most of it is just like don't put your feet and or limbs near uh, tires.
0: Right, body people don't do in the ring. Yeah. And don't jump onto someone's lap without them being prepared for it. So I'm spinning in circles in the kitchen. And then I eventually like choked out the words, Can you turn off my chair? Because I'm just like, (laughs) Can you? (laughs) Like, you're just like, I was just like, Turn it off, turn it off.
1: Oh, man. And
0: um, she hits the button, but like, she obviously has to kind of like chase me down to hit the button. Because I'm going full speed in circles. Uh And as she goes to hit the button, the joystick moves even more because she's trying to pause it. Uh And then I just go full speed, straight forward into my closet door.
1: Dang. And
0: my feet fully go through the closet door, like choose sized holes through each of the two doors.
1: Like you broke through the drywall or whatever the hell it's made out of? Just the doors themselves. Oh, my God. put
0: holes through the
1: door. Wow, so it was like a, an accidental action movie. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was in the closet and then the <laughs> bottom two hinges ripped straight off. <laughs> you know how powerful a wheelchair can be.
1: I I was about to say, and I, I wheelchairs are way too powerful. They're like a fucking uh uh surreptitious forklift. Surreptitious? Yeah, like sneaky. Okay. I probably use that word. Uh,
0: incorrectly, no, probably not. It's just not a word I often hear before forklift. (laughs) That's the joy of language, Tony. That's true. Yeah, so then I was like in the closet, had to back out and separate myself from the closet. I surprisingly wasn't injured at all. Was your lady friend
1: like still in stitches?
0: Oh, yeah, she's. This is just making her laugh even more.
1: Do you guys still hang out after this interview? I
0: haven't seen her in years already. Oh dear. Yeah. I mean, like, I see her once in a while, but I don't hang out with her very much. Okay. Then I had to call the landlord and I asked him to fix it. I just said, I just said in in the most passive voice in an email, I was like, my closet doors have been broken. <laughs> and I, need them to be, like, I didn't take any responsibility for anything. I just said this happened, yeah, and they'll need to be fixed. And so they came and took a look at them. They just look at them and they go, "Well, it's obvious that this was a wheelchair. Like it's obvious you just drove through these. You can't try to like blame it on your cat or you know any sort of realistic." Thing that might just happen. So they said, you know, we can, we're going to charge you like hundreds of dollars to get this repaired. And I was like, well, what if you just took the doors off? Um, and then I can just put like a curtain up instead. And they're like, yeah, okay, we'll do that for free. And so they took the doors off and I still to this day have a curtain instead of closet in That's way more practical. Yeah, it's fine. It's totally fine. But If I ever move out, I'm going to have to pay for those closet doors.
1: (laughs) That's the one thing confining you to Metcalf is the fucking closet doors. (laughs) Did I ever tell the story of how I ruined my mother's kitchen linoleum floor in 2009? No, but I'd love to hear it. Are you sure I haven't told the
0: story? I don't know, but I'd still love to hear it.
1: Okay, I'll tell it again just for, for new listeners if you're out there and you care.
0: So it's 2009. So it's 2009.
1: I'm home for a couple of weeks in the summer before I get shipped off off back to the computational geometry lab at Carleton University. And I'm all moved in like nice and snugly in the garage with all my games and everything that I need to have a really great little vacation with my bros. And one night I have all my friends over and uh we we get drunk and I'm super happy and I decide that I have to pee. Yeah. But I don't I I know because I'm drunk, I don't wanna make too much commotion when I go up the ramp because I tend to like bang and crash and and be unsettled when I'm drunk. And the bathroom is very near the closest bathroom to the garage is very near to my parents' bedroom. So I'm like, I'm gonna go to the other bathroom on the other side of the house. But the problem is it's only a half bathroom and the width of the fucking room is super narrow. Like the door is made for extra skinny, able bodied people. Right, like if you had an extra sandwich for dinner, you probably wouldn't be able to fit into that bathroom door. Yeah, like and so
0: bathroom equals a half door.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you gotta, you gotta do like a bit of like Tom cruising, you know, like, you know, sidestepping into the bathroom with fancy footwork, uh, like an action hero to get in. How and do you sidestep
0: the, in a wheelchair?
1: I you can't. You got to transition. So what happens is, I really had to pee, and I was very drunk. And so I drove up to the door. I had my power chair like at the at the base of the door, which opens outward. I slid out of the chair, like move the footpaths out of the way, slid out of the chair and grab onto the kitchen sink. And from the kitchen sink, I sidestep over to the porcelain. And then, you know, I I, I took a leak and I was sitting there and I'm like, oh, my God, I've had too much to drink and I'm a little woozy and I needed to puke. So, what happened was, I was like, I don't want to puke all over my clothes. So, I took off my shirt and I threw it uh, on to the power chair. And the shirt caught the joystick, and the power chair was still on. And so, it proceeded to drive the chair into the door frame. And, you know, because there's a full wall, Uh, like in front of me and the doorway is too narrow, thank God. The the chair was not able to speed toward me, but it did speed in place, like move in place for probably about at least 90 seconds while I found the the fucking wherewithal to get off the can and sidestep over and turn it off. And during that time, it wore two little concentric circles, like little piles of linoleum uh, that that just sort of accumulated under the wheels, and when I backed away eventually later, it looked like two little hershey 's kisses of shredded linoleum flooring it was yeah. right down to the baseboard and i was i wasn 't sick everywhere I managed to you know confine the mess or whatever, but so i had I was really sick, and then I had made this mess, and I was like terrified to tell my mother. Because my mom is a super sensible person, like really down to earth, like not very, like she's not like traditionally domestic or whatever you say. But if you fuck up her house in any way, she gets like, she takes it deeply, deeply personally. And so she was absolutely fucking furious with me the next morning. And I woke up, I had a horrible hangover. I knew I had fucked up her floor and I was like, She's gonna be so pissed at me, and and, and it, when she gets pissed, she's not like loud. It's just like you you get the silent treatment, and she's then
0: disappointment.
1: Yeah, the whole house, yeah. the whole like the atmosphere fills with the weight of her anger and and disappointment. Yeah. And so you wake up and it's like you're you're chilled because you're like, "Fuck, I'm not welcome here." <laughs> because I've done something awful and so when I woke up she had packed up all my shit like all my vacation really? you know I had all my my monitors out my computer was ready to go I had my little tv uh, my gaming station she packed all that shit up and she's like you know what you're gonna read for a week and then you're going back to Ottawa <laughs> and I was like Jesus Christ that fucking sucks and you know, it's funny because My dad actually did not believe initially, like the incident played out as I had, as I had claimed. I don't know if they thought I was, if I was like covering for like one of my friends, one of my irresponsible friends, or if they thought I was like belligerent and angry at them somehow while I was drunk, which is never the case. I'm always a happy. Or that uh, you
0: misremembered it because you were drunk.
1: Yeah, so he actually literally, like, tested my theory. And to this day, I have no idea why they didn't trust, like, my account of the of the chain
0: of events. He tested your theory being, like, he got in your wheelchair and did the same thing?
1: No, he, he threw a cloth on the chair from where I was seated in the bathroom to see if it would catch and drive the chair. And, of course, it did because that's how it fucking happened. That's really funny, yeah, it was super funny. He like went full fucking Sherlock on me oh, I have yeah. no
0: idea why I was like calculating the angles. You can see like the beautiful mind numbers floating around so you can get that perfect throw.
1: I don't know, Mr. Drunk, Joe. It sounds like you're trying to sabotage your mother's kitchen.
0: I definitely have some linoleum stains for lack of a better word on my floor from wheels spinning, but never me. It's always. An attendant accidentally drives my chair or purposely drives my chair, but just doesn't, it catches a wall or something. And I have a few spots where it's just bare. My
1: mom, it like isn't necessarily like a clean freak and she's not like, like, invasive or intrusive in my own spaces, especially if I don't meet her standard of cleanliness. But there is a part of her that is constantly worried that my grandma is going to see the state of the house, like, before she's ready to host our extended family. And so I think when she sees some part of her home destroyed by a wheelchair...
0: Especially if your grandma refuses to use a wheelchair.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, like... You know, my grandma is ignoring that those things exist, and then that those are also the things that destroy the house.
0: <laughs> but all that to say, wheelchairs are very powerful, and you can do some significant damage. But I wouldn't I'm... say too powerful. It's pretty fun to be able to, like, pull people, uh, push people down a hall in a cardboard box. Those types of things are fun. You're way more adventurous than I
1: am in that sense because I think you have more control. And when you panic, you can probably, I mean, you can probably at least think your way through this situation.
0: I mean, I don't have spasms either. So if I get startled or nervous, I'm still able to drive the same way.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't even think I can fucking speak properly when I'm nervous, which I
0: kind of hate because it's like a tell all. I mean I think that's true for a lot. Like I when I'm nervous, I can still physically speak, but I'm more sheepish and probably talk differently. I think that's the same for most people. Obviously, yeah, it's probably different for you because your vocal cords are actually just spastic. Yeah. Hey, um, do you wanna talk about a movie for a while? Yeah, I would love to talk about a movie. Actually the movie we watched um started with a pretty fun... Potentially able this song. Do you remember what song it started with? No, you're not gonna do a rendition, are you? It started Should I? I don't have one prepared, but can we first just establish what song it was?
1: No, no, let's just establish firstly that the film came out in nineteen ninety-three when this song would have still been quite novel. Honestly, I still like this song. I'm not dissing the song.
0: Just it's a perfect opportunity to try and make a parody.
1: Okay, fine, but it just plays like way too much at weddings.
0: It's too much for me. Okay, well, that's very negative of you.
1: Yeah. Okay, so the song is obviously 500 Miles.
0: Obviously. That was always obvious. (laughs) That's the only song that is played at weddings. (laughs) Can you think of how it might go as a parody? Would you like to? How does it start? It's like, oh, yeah, it's like when when I wake up. And I know I've got to pee. I've got to pee, but I can't get to the bathroom. Yeah. Keep going. You're not helping at all? Okay. <laughs> so I lie there thinking how I've got to pee until I... I, I wish I could make this about the one floor. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm too drunk. And I know I've got to pee. I've got to pee, but I can't get to the bathroom. I can't walk even one mile. <laughs> you even just leave me here on my own? <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I just hate
1: this song. Sorry, it's partly just that I have a like a tired brain. and That's fair. Yeah, the my neural pathways are blocked.
0: <laughs> All right, we're done. Anyway, what movie did we watch? We watched a film called Benny in June. Yeah, this was uh, a recommendation from one of my friends. Uh, I was telling her about the podcast, and she was like, have you ever seen this movie? And I hadn't even heard of this movie.
1: I hadn't heard of it either.
0: Obviously, like Johnny Depp is in it, and Johnny Depp is pretty topical right now. He sure is, yeah. So, felt like a great choice. But yeah, um, do you want to do your classical Jamie rundown? Well, I don't know. It's a film that
1: came out in 1993. It stars Johnny Depp and several other notable people: Julianne Moore, Oliver Platt. I can't remember the name of the female lead unfortunately. Like
0: CCH Pounder.
1: Oh yeah, CCH Pounder as a as a uh doctor of people with mental illness. That's a side character from The Shield, and I got really excited when I saw her name because I really liked her character. The movie is stacked. I wish I could fucking remember the name of the lead actress. Mary
0: Stuart Masterson.
1: I got her confused with Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. But anyway, so yeah, it's a it's a film. It's a rom com about a 30-something car mechanic who has a sister with a very vaguely defined mental illness.
0: Rom com feels like a bit of a stretch. I guess when I hear rom-com, I'm thinking of like, but you're right, like it's definitely a romance that develops. And there are a lot of comedic elements. It's
1: also the score of the film. It's very whimsical. That's true. Yeah. It's
0: like surreal. It almost feels like they're trying to define some alternate reality. Like it's almost not grounded.
1: The the tone and the aesthetic of the movie, uh like it's just sort of set in some middle American town. There's not anything really spectacular about the setting or the visuals, but Johnny Depp, like uh, some kind of listless soul in his mid twenties, who can't read and is very like artistic. He dresses in like a uh, Buster Keaton kind of clothing and saunters around as though he's a physical comedian. And uh, so the movie is. Really, kind of elastic and playful, especially when he's on camera. It sort of feels like it's trying to be something from early Tim Burton, without the gothic, without the gothic
0: elements. It did have some character similarities to Edward Scissorhands, for sure. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I'm seeing Johnny Depp again, and that's this is the second movie he's in that we've covered, but mm. he has this. Interesting charm when he's trying to play like an eccentric sort of outcast character. Yeah, it does seem
1: to be sort of more in line with who he might be as a person, or at least who he was thirty years ago, and evidently not today. But he um he's unassuming, like he's a lead character, but definitely doesn't want to steal every scene that he's in. It makes me want to push What Did Gilbert Grape Hire
0: on list. You think so? Yeah.
1: Well, anyway, the concept of the film is that this this car mechanic, played by some generic handsome dude, uh, has a sister with a mental illness. And he's her primary caretaker. And he's getting pressure from his sister's doctor and his like wider friend circle of men, exclusively men, to put his sister into a group home. And he's refusing to do so. And the kind of thrust of the film is this like weird urgency that is placed upon him by the doctor to explore the possibility of moving into said home. Yeah. So I think we're just sort of like waiting around to see how their relationship evolves in the wake of her, again, very vaguely defined mental illness. They just keep saying, you know, June is mentally ill. They don't, and they, there's all the vague symptoms of like Dustin's Dustin Hoffman's character from the uh, Rain Man, but never a formal diagnosis. And I think that has to do with how little mainstream Hollywood films there were as of the, as of the time in 1993 yeah. that really delved into the p- particulars of mental illness, just like any. Any character in a wheelchair in a piece of media pre two thousand and five was just like somebody in a wheelchair, and that like their legs yeah. just didn't work, and that's there's no formality to it,
0: which I, I don't think is anything against the movie because when you think of it in that context, it's kind of it's a bold risk that the movie was taking to try to attempt this story.
1: Yeah, but just kind of the way that the movie talks about June, like her brother is. It's ill-informed, right? It is. Yeah. It's definitely told exclusively from the perspective of June's caretakers and the people around her. And it very seldomly tries to understand her alone. It's she's always sort of depicted relative to either her brother or Johnny Depp's interest in her or uh the main character's love interest in the film played by Julianne Moore is sort of drawn into his life because of his relationship with his mentally ill sister yeah. and then subsequently uh rejected because of it in like for very silly reasons so i don't know the movie is very vague but it's still like for its time expects the audience to treat the material with a with a certain amount of seriousness And then, like, proportional levity. Like, the movie is supposed to be breaking new ground by attempting to be funny in the wake of its exploration of mental illness. And so, all of these things kind of coalesce into a pretty underwhelming experience. But because all of the actors are trying and seem earnest, like, I wouldn't say it was overtly bad. For the time. I don't know how else to put it.
0: No, I agree. It's like you you kind of have to make sure the whole time you're watching it, you're framing it within the time it came out, the context around mental illness and how it was approached and how, like you said, that it was sort of told from everyone's perspective. But June's, yeah. that's also how mental illness was perceived back in the day people didn't ask you how you're doing they just assumed you're not doing well and then decided what you need so the movie is just kind of a reflection of where we were at the time with mental illness but i still do think that it's aloof at times and i think purposely so like johnny is trying to be this like lighthearted character who you know, maybe has some of his own mental health issues but also is overcoming them by just trying to be happy in the moment and it does try I think to be lighthearted on purpose as you said and I think it does add some charm to it.
1: Yeah there's a likability to it. I and also I it's not as lighthearted as most romantic comedies, particularly from that period, right, I also wouldn't say that it's really trying hard to win awards, so it's no. kind of like like a middling movie. but I say that in a like as a compliment. there's yeah, that
0: pretentious
1: yeah, I find it truly ugly when a film is being uh dramatically pretentious, when it really can't back up. The supposed weight of the story that it's trying to tell, and yeah. this movie is certainly not that. So I can kind of give it some leeway. It's almost the opposite
0: of that. It's almost trying to give itself like the like you mentioned the musical notes in the movie are really like light and happy, almost like circusy at, at times. Yeah, I think that adds to its charm of like. It doesn't make mental illness feel heavy and burdensome, but just interesting and unique almost.
1: I but then in the text of the film, the sister's brother is constantly complaining about how he can't have a life because he has to look after June.
0: He's a terrible, yeah. He's like an awful person. But I think that's an important character because that's probably a pretty common conception of being Like a family member or, you know, maybe even like in a relationship with someone who has like mental illness or other disabilities, where you're kind of like, you feel like you have to be different or perform differently or act in service of their needs. It's it's a very problematic approach, right? For sure. Can you play the clip uh, called Vacation?
1: I think I called it.
0: I mean, I can't even keep a goldfish alive. What chance do I have with June? If something bad happened to her, I'd... I'd never, ever be able to forgive myself. A
1: group home is the right thing for her, Benny. Yeah, this is definitely for her own good. Hey, it's for both your own good. How much longer can you do this to yourself? Your life is literally
0: passing you by. You're right. You're right. What am I doing with myself?
1: I spend my life working on cars and taking care of my sister. I can't even have a relationship without having to worry about how June is going to fit in. You know, once you get settled in, you could actually take a vacation. Travel a little. I can hold down the fort, no problem. Travel? (laughs) Travel? Benny... There's a whole world out there, man. I mean, picture yourself on the open road, wind in the hair in the El Camino. See, the thing is, is that the movie repeatedly, especially in the first third of the film, it asserts that caretaking uh, for a disabled person is kind of in itself uh, a prison. Uh, You can't have a relationship. You can't travel like like none of your aspirations outside of your immediate job are really all that realistic. It's all consuming
0: how many times do you think that that's a real situation that happens? I sh- I'm sure that especially back then happened a lot. Probably even still now happens sometimes where people feel like they as caregivers are the victims.
1: For sure. But I'm just saying that like, so this movie comes out in the early 90s. I am six years old and my sister is 11. I just think like this is the kind of movie that my mom's siblings might watch and think, I can't imagine what Maureen and Jerry's lives are like. Right. And, and in the nineties, like it's kind of okay to side with Oliver Platt, like the main character's friend there who's talking. It's kind, it's still like they're not exactly in the wrong for thinking these things. And no. ca- characters are constantly telling the main character. Uh, I-, I am surprised that you've gotten this far with June. I mean, how many times do people say that to you, though? Like, oh, man, if I had your life, I couldn't do it. I, I know they say that to me all the time. And
0: it is offensive because they don't know me. Exactly. But what, I'm, not, I'm not saying these things to agree with the movie or because I agree it's terrible. Like nobody should think like this. It's a very problematic, very toxic way to think. And it can really affect the people around you, especially... People you're talking about, Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: it's it's also maybe important to show it so that people can have these conversations and realize that that's not a good attitude. Yeah, and granted,
1: the movie does eventually turn our lead character into more of a villain. Yeah, where he finds out that Johnny and June are romantically interested in one another. And at first, he responds by attacking Johnny and by shunning his sister. And that's like the final straw. Like, you can't live with me anymore if you're sexually active, which is so ridiculous. Obviously, it's ridiculous. But, you know, so this is the lowest point for our hero when he decides that he doesn't like his sister for, you know, uh, bumping up against Johnny. Bumping up. (laughs) yeah I like I sort of empathize or sympathize with the movie and the period that it came out in but it's still it's still really hard to watch this stuff because it's only a few years later that attitudes kind of start to shift and these people are more overtly considered non-sympathetic uh like in mainstream storytelling but it it just sort of validates your the unspoken truth that we're afraid able-bodied people
0: still believe in. Yeah, no, for sure. Um it's like devastating to hear, but also maybe unsurprising.
1: Right. Yeah. And this is a film that considers itself to be embracing of uh the the novel. This is a movie that maybe isn't even meant for Mainstream audiences like Johnny Depp is not in the point in his career where he's really taking on leading man roles, like he's he's exploring some pretty niche films that maybe won't necessarily win a wide audience. The cast of characters in this movie they're all they're they're all well known later, obviously, but at the point at which the film was made. Like nobody know I don't think anyone really knew who Julianne Moore is or Oliver Platt or CCH, you know? So
0: Interestingly though, this is the exact same year what's eating Delbert Great came out.
1: Yeah, and the premiere of Fraser. There's all kinds of Fraser all over this movie. In terms of the cut co- cut co-
0: the costume design.
1: And I think you
0: just have Fraser colored glasses.
1: I do have Fraser colored glasses.
0: Yeah. You see Fraser all over me. I'm sure.
1: I don't think I associate you with Fraser.
0: I'm almost offended. <laughs> I know how much you love Fraser. Oh no! What do That's you see tr- in the Benedict Cumberbatch? I see. Uh, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to know the answer. Actually, <laughs> but this is like the same thing as we're talking about in the movie, where we all know you're thinking it, but just don't say it out loud.
1: You're like if uh, uh, Ace Ventura and Edward Norton had a baby. Cause he can be Edward an absolute... Norton. Yeah, Edward Norton.
0: Why Edward Norton.
1: Cause he can be a total goofball, but also like very like serious and professional and potentially profound when
0: you want to be. No way! I don't. I never want to be profound. <laughs> it's offensive. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's okay. It's not amazing, but it does some things well. It has heart, which I like. It definitely is charming, and it makes you sort of want to understand the characters better. You're definitely rooting for the relationship between Benny and June, which is amazing because I like to feel, and maybe this is just me, but I feel like most people probably watch this and root for their relationship, which I think is great.
1: Well, that's the whole point of the rom com is is to watch people is to watch people who have natural chemistry have an opportunity to embrace that.
0: Yeah, but this isn't a typical rom com casting.
1: I don't know if I'd say that.
0: <laughs> I mean, in the sense that there's two people sort of on their own separate islands that somehow find their way to each other. That is typical, but. Again, it sort of just feels bordering on not in this universe. Like there are some very whimsy, surreal moments that make it feel like a storybook. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, as though Johnny Depp might even be a segment of June's imagination. Yeah, and he's this like this public entertainer, this Charlie Chaplin like. Uh, dancing, kind of frivolous, uh, yeah. playful, and a Peter Pan-like individual. Yeah, but it's all part and parcel to the way that the film infantilizes both June and Johnny. The suggestion that because June is difficult in a vague sense, she's moody and she occasionally has panic attacks, and she will lash out in sort of a non-violent fashion. She did like at her worst she has a panic attack and needs to calm down and breathe or she'll start hitting herself. And that's like the sum total of her mental health
0: symptoms. Yeah, that was interesting because throughout the movie, that part where she starts hitting herself, the one I'm thinking of at least happens right near the end. But Mm -hmm. up until that point, it plays with the spectrum of mental illness quite a bit where her position on it is really fluid at times, and you. I think it makes it easier to empathize with her, but also um, makes it more jarring when she has
1: a full-on breakdown.
0: Yeah, on the bus. that
1: requires. Yeah, that requires medical
0: intervention, and I think that that's really important to help empathize when you can sort of see. Parts of yourself in a person who's supposed to be completely othered on screen, yeah, uh, and then it helps you realize that you know they're they're not far off from you, it's just a little bit of work, and you can fully empathize with them and I think it does that fairly well it didn't it didn't put her in a box of this is it didn't you know like what music did the music by sia right, um, where it was just like this is the character these are her limits, this is who she is the whole movie. Whereas in this movie, it was kind of, it was just very fluid. And so it made it, oh, yeah, again, just gave it that part that I wasn't really expecting.
1: I suppose it allowed you to forget that June uh, had, had like has an illness, and then it makes her panic attack that much more impactful when it happens.
0: And there were times where yeah, the brother was getting really upset with her, and then you see her acting in ways that I might act in similar situations, I almost sometimes wondered if the the brother had uh, some breakdown of who she was, like some misrepresentation of her in his mind. You know what I mean? Like It almost seemed like he resented her more than she deserved or had any right to be resented.
1: Or he underestimated her chronically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the movie suggests that the reason that she is in this state is because she's experiencing some kind of traumatic stress from having been in a car, like survived a car accident in which both of their parents died. And so that's in like the whole scene that establishes this is just a few shots. It doesn't really labor on it too heavily,
0: but a few pretty graphic shots that can be an interesting origin story of pure trauma.
1: Okay. My one kind of issue is that barring the panic attack on the bus, the sort of only indication that June is disabled is that she doesn't really like social outings. She's a little bit difficult toward her caretakers, as in she doesn't go out of her way to be polite to them, but she's not like a, a like at any risk of violence or anything like that. The worst you could say about her is that she's kind of bitchy, like a person who maybe skipped their morning coffee.
0: That's what I liked about her, though, because it was, again, just putting her on the same spectrum that we're all on. So it made it easier to relate.
1: But then in the brother's eyes, she's such a burden that he can't go out on a date he can't have have a life outside of her, you know, all because she likes to eat peanut butter and celery and yell at uh, yell at the housemaid. Like it doesn't really, it doesn't really click for me.
0: That's why there were times where I thought he was more of the villain than anything because mm-hmm. she was painted by him and we're supposed to watch the movie largely through his eyes as this super unstable burdensome sister but then you see her and the more and more you see her you're like oh maybe she's just misunderstood or isn't getting the kind of love or help she needs
1: yeah and so the movie is about the brother learning to let go of her like arguably
0: and also a little bit of uh johnny depp being that thing that she might need or at least part of it and that might help her grow as a person.
1: I see that, but there's also a bit of that annoying trope of the restorative and norm- n- normalizing power of love.
0: I, I love, I mean, it's hard for me to argue with that. Love, I love love.
1: I, I I get that. I mean, like, we all need it and we all crave it to
0: love and be loved. <laughs> The, is that how you do your wedding speeches? I get it. We all need it <laughs> to love and be loved. I get it. We've been there. My friend's kind of a dick. Then he met you. I've seen this movie before. <laughs> to love and to love. Can we get on with the vows, please? <laughs>
1: please don't play 500 miles on the tenth floor. <laughs> <laughs> I can't walk a uh, mile more. <clears throat> and I can't sing at all because I'm so tired. And we should really pick a different
0: song. It's fun. <laughs> Can I express one more great? You need to go to a wedding.
1: Not unless it's yours.
0: <laughs> that, you should. do will be funny if you come to my wedding and do speeches in that voice just as a joke between you and me. <laughs> like, you, like, you can write it as you normally would, but then when you deliver it, you're like, yeah, I met Anthony a while ago. And, like, that would be so fun. If I wrote a speech about It wouldn't about be fun you, for most people, but it would be fun for me.
1: If I wrote a speech about you, it would be a magnum opus. Every I've written three wedding speeches all about people that I love, like, really, truly and deeply. Like, even my sister. Hi, Sarah. And-
0: even? Why did you say even? <laughs> even my sister.
1: <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, my last, my last minor, minor gripe with this movie is that there are two love stories in this film. Uh, There's the love story between June. Why did you grunt?
0: I mean... It doesn't feel like the same thing. Maybe one and a half. No, no, no. no. I, I'm not talking
1: about how the the, the the rom-com has a poor economy of love or something, or it, it's split between the two of them and therefore kind of diluted. All I'm saying is that there's, okay, there's this implication that June and Johnny are children. They're both like approaching 30. And there's the there's this implication that they are children because they don't participate in the working world, neither of them. Their hobbies are all very playful and artistic. They're not very constructive, and our main character is a tradesman. So there's this like kind of like uh, right leaning
0: bent to the movie. That's interesting you say right leaning because to me it almost felt like the movie was exploring the mindset of the right leaning in comparison or in contrast to the very like whimsical nature. Of the people he was trying to fix his resentment for. Yeah, I mean it's like it was almost exploring that gap rather than it didn't feel like their love story was right, Daning.
1: No, I, I'm just saying that the brother like is very salt of the earth. Uh at at one point uh when when he hires Johnny to be the house taker for June, someone asked him, uh, like, Oh, did you hire a man this time? Like that seems quite odd the main character responds with well technically and so it's a jab at at the effeminate nature of Johnny's artistic pursuits or whatever or yeah. the fact that he likes to like hide in trees and like throw his top hat at things and pretend that it's alive just regular run of the mill Johnny Depp Tim Burton bullshit uh but anyway what i was trying to say is that like there are there are two romances the one that occurs between the main character and Julianne Moore and then June and Johnny. I think the movie thinks that the June and Johnny romance is not enough to carry the film because they are kind of children and they need supervision. And so so Johnny is there to convince the lead character that yes, June can have a life outside of solitude and she doesn't have to go into a home because other people love her and therefore she's part of the world and so we shouldn't lock her away. But then there's like, oh, we need this other love story because our lead character, our lead character has to find love as well because of its
0: restorative power.
1: Because of its restorative power, because the adults in the room should should receive some kind of resolution in order for the film to
0: be truly resolved. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, I see what you're saying. Maybe. I guess the way I saw it at first was more about It was more like the adults in the room, as you say, needed it so that they could realize that's also what the kids needed. At the same reason I think if you go to a wedding, you won't be like, I mean, I get it. to have it to hold. But
1: it's it's still, so it's that trope in a lot of uh, lighthearted comedies where the infantilized characters understand the world better than the real adults, yeah. and and then the resolution of the film is the adults catching catching up with the children. I like that too. I know you do, but the closing scene of the film is uh, June moving into the like like a rented apartment, uh, and her landlord is the main character's girlfriend. And so the main character and his girlfriend go to visit June at her new apartment. And uh, June and Johnny are making grilled cheese on a fucking uh, ironing board because Johnny is so whimsical that he uses like an iron to press down on his grilled cheese sandwich. So it, it makes it feel like they are, they are a classical familial unit rather than, like brother, sister, like extended family members. And so it's like the main character and his girlfriend now have custody of June and Johnny, except they're able to live out of the house. And so now our main character can go get it on because June is finally out of his life and yada, 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 yada.
0: <laughs> Let's start gloss over that it's kind of genius to make a great cheese with an iron.
1: I totally want to try it.
0: Yeah. We used to have one of those grilled cheese makers where you put everything in, close it, and then in a few minutes it's done. It's perfectly pressed, perfectly crunchy. And I still think about that.
1: The cafeteria at the daycare when I was a kid used to have every few days, they'd have tomato soup and grilled cheese. Yeah. And I can still smell and taste.
0: It's the perfect combo.
1: I I know. I know.
0: With the with the good cheese maker, too, if you put a little too much cheese, then it will ooze out the sides and then burn in the edges, and then you get to eat, like, crispy burnt cheese. And I know that might not sound appetizing, but it was my favorite part. I always liked the most burnt foods as a kid.
1: Well, that's because you had to contend with fucking
0: porridge. That's true. I didn't like burnt porridge, though. So. <laughs>
1: That's the thing. It's like if you have, if you're if you're in a household where people can't cook, you just set a low bar, and then the simplest things are delicious.
0: Oh, I guess that is probably why I like condiments so much. I was <laughs> like, Let me try changing this up with some barbecue sauce or hot sauce.
1: <laughs> they rescued all of your meals, and I just felt alive. I'm being a real dick
0: today. No, I, the movie is it has a good. De- a depression throughout Like there is a very solemn feel. It's almost like Johnny Depp feels like he's overacting because the rest of the tone is so low and solemn and subdued that when he's like being this character actor mime like personality, it almost feels contrived or out of place. And so that that dichotomy is a bit jarring, for sure.
1: It just barely does not feel out of place. Like, it's just on the verge.
0: Yeah, right. It's, like, surreal almost.
1: Yeah, it's like, dude, you wandered onto the set of the wrong movie. Like, go back to fucking Willy Wonka or something.
0: It's like, what if Edward Scissorhands got clean?
1: (laughs) Yeah, he got
0: prosthetics. He got prosthetics. He went to rehab for a bit. He got accustomed to the real world.
1: He went into the sun, got some vitamin D. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, it didn't work out for him. So he got a lot more vitamin D, got very drunk and became a pirate. Right. Yeah. If You, you could probably put all of Johnny Depp's movies on a timeline and they might all be in the same universe.
1: I hate the Pirates of the Caribbean films. They're so aimless. They're so awful. Oh, boring. should we cover them? They're so boring.
0: They're pretty boring. They don't have a plot. I think of when I see the first one.
1: J- uh, fucking Pirates of the Caribbean feels like if Terrence Malick was given a Disney property and he, he just wandered about the set of a 3D amusement park ride. I don't know if he's a genius. I'm sorry, that's alienating. But some people know what I'm talking about. Okay, Terrence well. Malick. He's supposed to be some fucking genius, but he he can't anchor his narrative to save his soul. It's like He's like a movie director perpetually on mushrooms, Terrence Malick. Michael, our producer, is going to hate me for saying this. Sorry, Michael.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Anyway, the last thing that I, the last grievance that I had, I think I mentioned it earlier.
0: You've said that four grievances ago. <laughs> the
1: whole, the whole sex thing. Like, um. Wait, what whole sex thing? Like, June and Johnny have sex during the movie, and it's fine, it's nice, it's not... They bump up against each other. Yeah, it's nice, it's not like, they don't overplay it or underplay it, it's like exactly as it should be, (laughs) quite a nice nice little moment, whatever, whatever. You're
0: the gatekeeper of sex? (laughs) That sex was exactly as it should be.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of fucking conservative assholes, that's apparently what I am right now. But anyway, I just... The movie starts off, and it's like the brothers, like, "Oh, I'm taking care of June, so I can't get laid." And I just, why is that the case? Ever, ever, ever? It's like, are oh, I know, yeah, are, are disabled people so asexualized that it's literally yes. contagious? To, it's it's literally contagious to their caretakers because I don't think that's the fucking case, yeah. you know? Uh,
0: yeah, how do you get hard knowing you have a disabled son at home? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, for sure, that's that's a thing. Disabled people, we, we both know and we've talked about how asexualized disabled people are. And I do think that it is to the point where people just can't even fathom. I feel like the this mentality of thinking that your disabled child limits your own sexual expression is... Akin to people who get riled up when they're having sex and the dog is in the room. (laughs) Yeah. They're just like, you need to leave so I can perform. Right. I can't do this with you watching.
1: Right, yeah, you're far too innocent. Yeah. Childlike.
0: They need to be in another city so that there's no way they can think about their child needing caretaking help.
1: I also think that vaguely def- like vaguely defined disabled people are a common trope of a lot of, quote-unquote, mental illness movies.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a shorthand, right?
1: Because people are, I think people have a mild fantasy of being sick enough that they can totally forego, like, the rules of politeness or the confines uh-huh. of, like, the confines of formalities in a professional or personal yeah. context. And so they're like, they like, we partly kind of wish we could be June so that we could do weird things like fucking paint all day and, and just like flip out at our, at people who try to impose some kind of order or authority upon us. Yeah. And, and like, we want to be Johnny Depp at like, we want to be uh, somebody whose development is arrested. in such that we can climb in trees and pretend, we are uh, Peter Sellers late into our adulthood, and it's—I uh, I think it's the these characters exist more as a fantasy for for able-bodied people.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting because that is a pretty pervasive thought process of thinking that the grass is greener, or if it, it's like the same mentality as people who are like, if I won the lottery, I would do all these things, and then the things that they list that they would do. They could just do what
1: what people say when they like when they say they want to win the lottery. Of course, there's a material component to that, but they want to be freed from their responsibilities. Yeah, and lots of times it's 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 fiscal constraints that prevent people from
0: doing what they want. But it's like if I won the lottery, I'd give a bunch of money to charity. It's like okay, but you can just do that on a smaller scale. Yeah, like. you, it's it's almost just like a well, I guess I can't. Or like if I was disabled, I would just sit around all day. But you wouldn't because you'd still be bored of sitting around all day. Being disabled doesn't make you not have ambition.
1: Right? Yeah. Not being gainfully engaged, whatever that means. I don't necessarily think you need to have a job in order to have purpose.
0: No, I just I definitely don't think that.
1: That's just an unfortunate byproduct of the world we live in.
0: But I think. You have to be passionate about something. There has to be sure. something that makes you excited to do it. But even yeah. it, it can be—it doesn't have to make you money, but it can be like an art project or a any sort of project or a hobby or something. Yeah. But also, I think it's like when people are like, "Oh, if I was in a wheelchair, I would just zoom around all day." That sounds so fun. It's like. Yeah, maybe it's fun for a few minutes, or like fun when you're playing hockey. But that's just because hockey is fun, and sports are fun, and (laughs) and like you can. It's the same as getting on your bike. Like you can still do that.
1: Yeah, they they mean in the short term.
0: Yeah, and it is fun sometimes for sure. I love just like zooming down the canal and feeling like a bike.
1: I went through a few summers where I had minimal responsibilities like the only thing i really had to worry about was some like uh lightweight coursework and i would say it it was really nice
0: oh yeah vacations are amazing yeah but i think it's also nice because you know what it's in contrast to for sure so it's like there are vacations where eventually at the end of the vacation you're like all right i'm ready for work
1: yeah i need to get back
0: to some structure and some responsibility and, you know, feeling like I'm contributing to something fun or exciting or something that impassions you. Speaking of fun, do you have a wheel breaker for this week? Uh,
1: I thought of one a few days ago, but then I promptly forgot it. Maybe it'll come back to me. Maybe this will help. Wheel breakers. Did that help? No.
0: Okay. I don't have one either, but I thought one while you were talking today. I'm going to make you fully able-bodied. But I haven't, so you know the regularity of this? Once a week, you're going to have to do something intentionally that you know when you wake up in the morning, your mom is going to be so mad at you for doing it.
1: Oh my God.
0: So, you have to deal with your mom's wrath once a week to stay able bodied.
1: That means that I have to do something in order to upset her.
0: Yeah. And you, it has to be, it, it's going to be a conscious decision. Would you do the same thing over and over again? Or would you have to start planning new things? It would make you kind of an evil person.
1: It really would. Who antagonizes their own mother deliberately on a weekly basis? Tony Soprano, maybe.
0: What do you think you would do? Just play it out for a second. Let's say you took the deal. What kinds of things would you do?
1: I don't know. Flood the bathroom. uh, Not do
0: my laundry. Would you do the same like rotation of things? Because maybe she would just get numb to it and it would stop upsetting her.
1: No. At some point, it would have to escalate to where I would have to accidentally break one of her stained glass. Oh, um, this sounds terrible. I know. She would take the shard of the stained glass and just end my life. That seems like a reasonable response. Yep, yep. So, she would say, she'd be like, Robert De Niro should no longer play you in movies. Stab, <laughs> stab, stab. <laughs> there was a guy in Ottawa
0: recently that uh-huh. got stabbed 15 times and was fine. Wow. Do you think that he's a legend? Or the stabber is just so bad at my your job. <laughs>
1: you're pretty proud of that one, aren't you? <laughs> I'm proud of how
0: much you're laughing.
1: <laughs> he just like stabbed him with
0: like an unsharpened pencil. <laughs> like what? One of those takeout knives. Terrible. Terrible. So yeah, um. Back to your mom stabbing you with, like, stained glass. <laughs> I don't think I could do
1: it because... Because of the regularity? Well, no, because the few times that I have done it in my life are perma- are permanently seared in my brain. Do you think
0: you were getting numb to it, though? Or what if you're like, Mom, I had to flood the bathroom to be able-bodied this week? What kind of... Monster, would
1: I have to be to grow numb?
0: What if it was like once every quarter,
1: Tony? Yeah. I don't think I could, I don't think I could agree with this. If no, I, I don't
0: want you to really, I'm glad you said no.
1: If I even like, like burn some rubber on her new linoleum, which she got subsequently after that incident, like I will be homeless.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, but it wouldn't be hard for you to if you're able bodied, you would just move out. Yeah, I suppose. And then you'd have to, like, make the trek to Thunder Bay every quarter to just upset your mom.
1: <laughs> to upset my own mother.
0: And uh, that's like boy, you could just, like, be really, really nice to her for the other days so that, like, she'll be like, oh, I hate that you flooded my bathroom and set the kitchen on fire, but thank you for the flowers. No. Yeah, <laughs> that's... <laughs> I was ve- I would be very surprised, bordering on probably concerned my the rest of my family
1: would immediately reject me like far and wide, even on my dad's side.
0: <laughs> you don't think that there's a world where you could make your mom sympathize with it?
1: no, not at Wait, all,
0: but Mom, don't you understand like no, I can rock now.
1: <laughs> no, I could be a pain in the ass toward Jerry like for you know maybe. A month before I had like would be ostracized, but my mom, it would be like instant because you have to think too, her sisters were not happy with me after the fucking linoleum incident.
0: Fair enough.
1: It sounds like a disaster at Chernobyl or something when you put it that way.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like I caused uh, an explosion that released 35 uh, linoleums of nuclear gas. I don't know.
0: My apartment has taken some damage from you. It's never really been a thing for me that I... I What did I do? I
1: fucked up your towel rag, didn't I?
0: Yeah, it's never been the same. Really? It's fine. It's just a thing. I just don't care about stuff.
1: What? Says the guy with a $3,000 robot vacuum.
0: Yeah, but if it exploded tomorrow, (laughs) I wouldn't be sad. I'd be like, well, damn, that was a waste of money, I guess. (laughs) I guess, like that's that's. I'd be like, oh well, I guess I could have spent that money on something else. (laughs) Oh, that's that. Yeah, Jack, you got a new toy. Like on the weekend, I was hanging out with some friends, and all of a sudden, I looked down, and I was pretty drunk, so I thought I was hallucinating, but I I could have sworn I saw some smoke coming from the USB charger of my phone. And this is after I had just been in the rain. And then my phone said something like, there is dust or debris in the charger, we're disabling it for now. And then a few seconds later, one of my friends goes, what's that smell? It smells like something is burning. And then in my head, I'm like, what's that? my?" So I unplugged it. And the next day I went to plug it back in, feeling like it would have been perfectly dry by then. It still didn't charge, and to to even today, won't charge unless I use a wireless charger. It's it's barely been working for like two days, and I don't really care. It's just like whatever.
1: Your phone, the single lifeline that'll rescue you from any kind of mobility situation out in the wilds of Ottawa, yeah. is failing. And you're like, eh. It's
0: just a thing. How do disabled people survive? Back before phones.
1: That's a very asked for help. (laughs) No, that that's I was about to say they didn't.
0: They didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean I'm gonna have to get in your phone for sure, but (laughs) (laughs) is
1: that guy a legend or is the stabber just really bad at his job? (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to the stabbing victim, you poor soul. Shout out to the bad stabber. I think that might be the title of the episode.
0: Uh, do you have a real breaker? You
1: get to be 100% able-bodied, but every day for 45 minutes, somebody tickles you.
0: For 45 <laughs> minutes? Yeah. That's, I would pee myself eight times. Yeah, well, good. <laughs> the plan is working. <laughs> 45 minutes. Yeah, 45. And is it random times throughout the day or like every night before
1: bed? No, it's it's random sneak attacks where they tickle you for one minute intervals 45 times.
0: Do I get to choose who it is? Is it a random person? Because <laughs> I'm going to start to hate this person. <laughs> so I don't want it to be someone I, I admire or adore now. Because then within a month, I'm going to be like, get out of my life.
1: Dang, yeah. That would ruin a relationship, right?
0: For sure.
1: The overly tickling girlfriend.
0: It sounds like a Seinfeld episode.
1: I think this, I guess this. These are good questions. Who tickles you? Jeez, I don't fucking know.
0: But have you just like hired someone to stick around and tickle me at random points throughout the day?
1: Yeah, the surreptitious tickler.
0: Not to be confused with a forklift, though, right? <laughs> yeah, those are two different things. Right, okay. So I'm not getting tickled by a forklift. No. Is it 45 consecutive minutes?
1: Well, I, you can choose. You can have it all at once or at one-minute intervals. All I have the to day choose
0: once. now forever, or I can choose on a daily basis?
1: Uh, On a daily basis.
0: Oh, okay. That actually changes things for me. Cause if I could be like tickle me for ten seconds, four hundred and fifty times, <laughs> that would be funny. But I don't even know if I'd use that because that would really break up my day.
1: What if you never see the tickler? They they always t- <laughs> they always tickle you from bandages where you you can never see <laughs> them.
0: <laughs> but they're a real person. It's not like some mysterious force. Yeah, yeah, they're it's a real person. Is it that I can never see them, period, or I just never see them like sneaking up on me? You
1: you, you can never see them, they always evade you.
0: <laughs> like, I, I turn to try to stop them, and yeah, just... that,
1: yeah, tickling you from a different direction out of view.
0: Oh, wow, what is that is a tricky tickler! Yeah, and every once in a while they say coochie coochie coo. I'm surprised they don't say that for the full 45 minutes. If your only job is to tickle, what else would you say? Right. Uh, Just a quick question about the tickler, though, (laughs) because I'm concerned about their (laughs) well-being. Is this a paid job? Because this is a full-time endeavor. For sure. How are they going to make a living? I wouldn't want to put someone in a position where they're like burdened by the task of having to follow me around and sneak up elusively tickling me, and then struggle to put food on the table for their under tickled kids
1: so you pay them
0: i pay them
1: (laughs) yeah you pay them 50 cents. i'm buying them for my own no way yeah
0: 10 cents a tickle you pay them (laughs) why i have to pay them to tickle me so that i can be disabled they get paid by
1: the public works tickling department how about that
0: oh yeah of course i should have thought of that
1: yeah, yeah. They're a government employee. The sterile ticklers?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, 45 minutes is like just enough that it would be... Because you can get tickling for a few seconds. It's like, ah, okay, stop doing that. And then eventually there's a moment where I'm like, no, seriously, this isn't funny. I don't like you. <laughs> and what, after like five minutes... I'm like, this is borderline abuse and torture. Yeah. Yeah. I have a very, I, I don't have a good relationship with being tickled because I can't defend myself. <laughs> so it's just people be like, hey, look at you. What do you, you could spin
1: around in circles and drive into No, a people tickle door. me in bed. Oh, no. Yeah.
0: It's rude.
1: No, tickle you in bed. I
0: don't like it. It's rude. I
1: hope all of them have been partners and not just.
0: No, that's the thing. Sometimes you just attend to think of being funny. No, yeah. Shut the front door, Tony. I have to. I have to. And the thing is, like, obviously, my reaction is to laugh because that's just what you do. But I'm not enjoying myself.
1: Please don't tell me they like come to wake you up, and then they think, "Oh, Tony looks grumpy because he didn't sleep well." I'm going to tickle him. I used to, when
0: I was a kid, have an attendant that did that. no. Yeah, she would like wake me up by tickling my feet and I hated it.
1: The only person who has tickle like permission to tickle me is like somebody that I'm uh, in a relation in a relationship
0: with. Nobody. Regardless of our friendship or status or family relation, does not have permission to tickle me.
1: Not a single person? Not a
0: single person.
1: Wow, I didn't realize you had a tickle phobia. I
0: hate it. It's because I can't first. What's the point, first of all?
1: Uh, because it makes you laugh and you can't stop it.
0: Yeah, but it's not, it's like a jump scare. It's like a power it's play. Not, yeah, it's, it's not real laughter. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing to me as when someone holds your hand, punches you with your own hand, and goes, quit hitting yourself.
1: I wonder if you'd feel differently if you could tickle, though.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah I would sure. love a good tickle fight. It, yeah, so but it's totally, not a fight.
1: It's totally about the power dynamics. Yeah, That's what it
0: is. I can't escape it. Yeah. Yeah, that it percent Could you I like, destroy ima- someone in a tickle fight?
1: Could you imagine if instead of like for, for taping of live studio audience sitcoms, instead of like audiences forcing laughter, they just had a mechanism in the chair where like feathers would come out and tickle the That's audience. That's what I'm
0: saying. That's why I don't like jump scare horror movies it's right. like this isn't scary you're just no. tricking me
1: yeah exactly yeah it's it's the it's just reactionary surprise
0: all that said i would do it
1: <laughs> actually
0: no i'm just kidding <laughs> that's it be funny to say that but <laughs> no there's no way i would be so miserable 45 if it was like five minutes a day i'd still have to think about it
1: Really, I, I was yeah. gonna cut it down to fifteen for you. Do you a favor? You
0: have to consider how long five minutes is.
1: It's a like long time. Ten
0: seconds of tickling is already a lot.
1: I guess so. Yeah, but you won't be. To- well, you will be totally powerless because you'll have to just tolerate it, or else you'll be disabled.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah, I wouldn't even be able to. Well, your instinct is to fight it off.
1: Yeah, but you you won't be able to. You have to.
0: I would rather be itchy for forty-five minutes a day. <laughs> Oh, man. And not be able to scratch it.
1: <coughs> well, Tony, I'm sorry, but I'm exhausted.
0: That's bad. I'm exhausted. That's all I got too. in the tank today. I'm glad we uh watched this movie. I am too. It was not on either of our radars.
1: Viewing it viewing it from a disabled vantage, like obviously I had my gripes, but it's still a pleasant movie.
0: Yeah, it has a lot of heart. Like I, I still think like What's Eating Double Grey is a better movie. In the same vein, kind of, and still like Johnny Depp. But we'll just have to cover that movie, too. We will. All right. Well, thank you for hearing me on the screen.
1: One thing I want to say, actually, is um, listeners out there, if you uh, want to help us out a bit, uh, if you could go on uh, Apple Podcasts and like rate the podcast, that would be awesome. If you have some words to write about us as well, like we totally appreciate it. We don't expect it, but it would be nice because it does have an effect on our metrics and we've never quite encouraged people to do so yet. So if yeah. you have some time, if you have some time and a couple of thoughts to write down, please do.
0: Yeah, you're right. Like I've been always averse to asking people to do that because it feels self-indulgent, I guess, but it definitely does help us. Um especially like Apple podcasts really cares about reviews and ratings and stuff. So yeah, if if you like it. But don't give us a five-star review just because you heard us say that. Only if you actually like it, because we could also use some feedback. Constructive criticism is just as helpful.
1: Yeah, like if you think that Tony doesn't eat enough dessert, you can give us two stars. Or
0: You have to give reasonable feedback. Like if you realize Jamie does puns too often. But that was a very surreptitious comment. <laughs> Sneaky. Or, if you really like sugar, surreptitious.
1: Oh! <laughs> oh. There was a scene in this movie, Benny and June. Uh it was like the last scene in the movie when the brother like breaks into the mental institution to help rescue his sister. And the doctor like comes in, played by CCH Pounder. She like catches the brother. And I was like, oh, shit. He's about to get a CCH pounding.
0: <laughs> and, and it was it. just as good then. <laughs> Imagine your name is so cool. It's just initials. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. pretty
0: sweet. Like J-R-R.
1: Right. I mean, that's more of like a trend for like artists and creators of a particular era. Anyway, that was a good n- note to uh, earn us some five-star reviews.
0: <sighs> Guess we'll see. Take care, everyone. Thanks for your support. Good night. Love you, Matt. Bye.